1: Girl, how's it going? Oh, good. I miss you. We're separated today. my
0: kisses through only, the screen. Only physically, emotionally,
1: oh, no. we're never separated. I know. I feel you constantly, even when I don't want to. It's kind of It's <laughs> kind of annoying, actually.
0: <laughs> that reminds me of when people say about my dad, "He's always with you," and I'm like, "You're like,
1: I hope okay, not." Okay, that
0: time, I there. Are- <laughs> I don't want that. There are times I don't actually want him to be near me. So can can you not say that?
1: (laughs) I ask for privacy from spirits all the time. Is that weird? I'll just walk into a room and I'll be doing something, you know, something personal and I'll say, Um, privacy, please. Give me five. (laughs) I'm trying to have a wee.
0: Could you please fuck off?
1: Exactly. (sighs) Here we are, babe. You've had a wild whirlwind of a week. How's the shed coming along?
0: Shed is coming along
1: great. We've got the floor
0: in. So the foundation and the floor is in. It's sorted. I'm moving this week. So that's
1: intense. Um, What does that mean? You're going to be completely out of the house?
0: Yeah, I'm going to be completely out. Um, to be honest with you, it has been so much more stressful than I anticipated. I knew that it would be hard and I knew that, you know, my grief has been kicked up so massively in the last sort of few weeks and I I knew that it would be hard. I think I just didn't realise it would be this hard. Yeah. Um... To be honest, I am really struggling. It's hard to feel the level of grief that I was feeling at the beginning now so far along. It's hard to have days where you do feel like you don't want to be alive, where it feels hopeless, where it's feeling really raw and really heavy again. Um,
1: Is that from clearing out of that house?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think
1: it's clearing out the house, so there's like a big shift. And then I think that
0: it's also my wedding anniversary is coming up on on September the 14th, and Max's memorial is next week, and it's just a hard time. It's just yeah. there's just so much right now, and this is one of the final you know, things until the one year anniversary of their death, it's kind of like the final big push, if that makes sense, until uh, until I reach that point. Um, So yeah, it's just, it's been really hard and I feel really run down. My hormones are just like a mess. I my body is just not, I'm just run down because I've got so much tension and stress in me and The grief feels really, really up close again. Um, And, you know, my nephew's heading off to college, and so it's just, I just don't want it to bleed into anything. You know, this is meant to be, like, a happy time, and it is, and, and it's, I just don't, I feel embarrassed because I'm struggling at this time when, like, the kids are going back to school and Harry's going off to college and... You know, I it just makes me feel embarrassed. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Not that I'm making, you know, not that I'm making my grief anyone else's problem, but it doesn't stop it feeling like hide away, hide away. You know.
1: Yeah, I understand.
0: Um, When everyone's got so much going on, it just feels a little embarrassing, which is such a fucked up way to feel. (laughs) It's not like I'm making it anyone else's problem, and I know that. I've been responsible with my shit the whole time and, you know, I I lift my own pail generally. I might need help from time to time, but it's not like I'm just fucking making my shit everyone else's problem. Your milk isn't
1: splashing all over everyone no. else.
0: <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. So I think that I just need to be a little bit less self-conscious and a little bit less kind of hard on myself and just think you know what you're not making this anyone else's problem so why are you feeling embarrassed about anything right it's not like I'm walking
1: around the house like (laughs) yeah
0: you're not like lounging in (laughs) the in the common
1: room in the living room like in your underwear eating cookies no
0: throwing them up I never (laughs) have been (laughs) I know exactly and I haven't once so it's like I need to just be a little bit kinder to yourself chill towards myself so I'm feeling run down I'm feeling stressed I'm feeling completely heartbroken and I just have to keep reminding myself that Ryan isn't in the walls
1: of the house you know he's he's with me and he's he's with with all of us um you're not not leaving him behind I can see why it's psychologically overwhelming because you've said this before You don't want to even, you remember when you were having trouble even throwing away his razor in the shower? Yeah. Because it put more distance between you and him, you felt. And you felt you wanted to keep things exactly the way they were the last time he touched them. And this is a a complete uh, departure from that. Everything he touched, you are now letting go of in a physical sense.
0: Exactly, and it's the last place that I was with them, so it's hard
1: to to leave. It's like that, shutting that, the door on that forever.
0: Yeah, it's to- hard to leave that space and but equally, you know, that's also the place where I experience the most pain in my life and in a way, you know, there are times when I am at the house where I'll look over and see where I was when I got the phone call and and it sends a shiver down my spine. Yeah. So in, in a way, I think it will be good for me to be out of that space as well. I think so too. And I feel really devastated to let it go, but I feel very ready to let it go. You know, I feel like I'm very much letting go with love.
1: Yeah.
0: So... You know, oh, I'm getting emotional now. So
1: oh, it's... I love you, Annabelle. I'm so, <laughs> you I, I'm so proud of you for going through this. I know you're ready, but I and yeah. I and I also know how devastating it is. It's all rolled into one. You can be as ready as you'll ever yeah. be, and it's still devastating. Being ready does not mean that things aren't. Don't hurt. <laughs> exactly. Aren't tough. Being brave does not mean that you're not afraid. People think that it's black and white. They think that you have to, you know, dispose of one to be the other. And it's not that. We are humans. We are not black and white. It's all of it rolled into one. And I just love you. You're so supported through this. And I, I, I'm so proud of you for literally and figuratively stepping through this door and Mm. and saying goodbye to that chapter in only in a physical sense yeah
0: exactly exactly
1: they are right here in present time with you max and ryan and they they will continue on with you for the rest of your life but this is all about what we're going to be sharing today which Mm -hmm. we are um going to be delving into spirit a bit today with our conversation and I felt the same thing with my grandfather's apartment this last week. No, I had not gone through the pain there that you went, have gone through in your home. But I felt that same, and it surprised me. I felt that difficulty in leaving for the last time, in, yeah. s- in actually shutting the door and leaving because it was the f- last place that I was with him that's a common thing that people feel they have trouble letting go of the physical space because you think the person is there you think they're in the walls and you think they're sitting there and you're abandoning them
0: I think energy lingers you know it does Um, and I think we feed into that energy as well and I think if you feed into that energy somewhere else it will linger somewhere else I think it's kind of cyclical like that um and, and further to your point earlier about bravery and all those things, I think that made me think about something that, you know, with grieving and stuff, I see so much stuff online about what not to say, what not to do to grieving people and I, and I know that we live in this society where everyone is so offended all the time by everything and grief is such a personal thing anyway and I think that grieving people are really, really sensitive Personally, for me, I have come to a place in my life, not just through grief, but through 2019, 2018, and um, so 2019 and 2020, and everything I've experienced in the last sort of nine months. I've come to this amazing place where I'm not really ever offended by anything. I'm not, I don't take things personally. I'm not offended. I don't feel sensitive about people's words and actions. Um, and I've always wanted to be in that place because my response now when somebody says something or does something that I probably before would have felt offended by is now I just feel empathy and love and try to understand where they're coming from more mm-hmm. than I feel like, oh my God, how could you say this to me or act this way to me? Um and when I do that it just releases all of that tension around somebody saying something spicy towards you. And one of the things that seems to really upset grieving people is when people say that they're strong. And it took me a really long time to understand why this was offensive to people and, it's, and it was offensive to me at a point well more I should say it was sensitive it felt a little sensitive when people would say it was so strong it's because I'm not strong I'm showing strength (laughs) and that's just a different thing you know like you said just because we're ready for something it doesn't make it not painful and just because we're ready you know to do something scary and be brave and we're being brave doesn't make it not terrifying and I think the same can be said with strength you know
1: yeah I I just I just
0: wanted to add that because that's one of the one of the kind of things that I've seen so many grieving people online saying is like I feel so mad
1: when people say you're so strong well I remember months ago you shared this yeah about people saying you're so strong and you you said on the podcast I don't want to have to be strong. And you were no, you were resenting that, that your strength, that you even had yeah. to have to do that, made you angry.
0: Yeah. And that's what made me angry. Not that people were saying that
1: more, that I was just like, Gah! like. I don't want to have to get through this.
0: No, no, exactly. And it's amazing, I think. One of the things that has been so funny to me is how weak I felt. I've had to keep being strong even though I felt unbelievably weak at times like sometimes in my boxing classes I'll cry or I'll have to sit down and I'll literally shout out like I'm weak I'm weak I'm weak and then I'm just like still like going mad on the bag or like doing one of the exercises even though I feel I'm just like a little straw away from cracking <laughs> well that's exactly
1: why you've been drawn to the boxing through this process that's exactly why it's a physical yeah. it's a physical uh representation of the internal process that you've been going yeah. through
0: and I, every time I go to that class and I push through that boundary I feel in me of like I'm too weak to do this and I don't it kind of sends a message to my brain of like see you can yes Even it does you feel like you can't you can right. Um, and I think it's been really helpful. But anyway, anyway, anyway.
1: Well, I got you a little present. I was cleaning out my books. And I found you a play that I'm going to give you the next time I see you. It's called The Cemetery Club. And if you Aww. see on here, there's three Jewish women widows. on the front. They widows? They're old ladies, yes. Yeah. And this play says, When does the grieving stop and living begin again? For these three widows... Uh. The- The answer is never. (laughs) Doris, Ida, and Lucille, every month they go together to visit the graves of their departed husbands. It's a comedy. Um, It's compassionate and funny. And I thought that you might be able to uh, get a little laugh out of it. It might offer you some kind of, I don't know.
0: I would love to read that. I've got, if you could see the books in my room, I've got about 50 books about grieving that are like, I wasn't ready to say goodbye, grief. And it's it's just all just like, Ugh. Jesus.
1: <laughs>
0: so a nice funny
1: book about some Jewish ladies sounds great. Yeah, I thought you might like that. Um, so we have... A few listener comments. Should we share just a couple of them? Okay. So we've been speaking a lot about UFOs lately, about aliens, um, about the vaccine. So people have a lot to say about this stuff from all over the world. Haiti Borsesi says, greetings from Buenos Aires. I've seen UFOs three times in my life and it's shocking. But being in love with a being that you can't see, can't touch, can't kiss or have children with is crazy. (laughs) Wow. They've seen UFOs three times.
0: You know, there's a huge amount of um, extraterrestrial UFO shit that goes on in South America. That's like one of the main places. Oh, in South America?
1: Uh My friend Lisa Stanley, who's a big radio host here in LA, she wrote us and she Mm -hmm. said that she saw UFOs in the 70s and she swears that she got abducted. I didn't know this was so
0: common. My mom and dad saw some as well in the 70s
1: in L.A. Wow. Um, The Winter Burns said, oh, about my vaccination, which you posted my congratulations cake. That was hilarious. Sorry I didn't get you a real one. Yeah, thanks. She said (laughs) Lucy should be advised by her doctor and it should remain private between her and her doctor.
0: Oh, sorry. (laughs) That's I don't not, know if
1: you're familiar with the uh, with the podcast, but we don't really have private things. So. That's not in Annabelle's nature to keep uh, my personal life off of the pod. Oh mine. I, I mean, know you you're... get roasted. Also, uh, the first rescue Sue said a Broadway star was just fired because she wouldn't get vaccinated. But thank you for helping to save your fellow man. It's worth a shot. Nice pun there. Lovely pun. Um, We got a lot of lovely people writing in this week with things they thought were funny, ways that we've helped them. It's so great to hear from you all, all over the world. And keep writing in, please. We really love to hear how you are finding the conversation and how it's helping you in your lives.
0: Actually, do you know what? Off the top of my head, I remember a listener thing that came through that made me laugh. One of the listeners is living in... um, Tennessee and got vaccinated and it has to hide his vaccination because if he if everyone around him knew he was vaccinated, they would think he was like a crazy communist.
1: I had to I had to hide getting vaccinated from two people this week so funny because most of the people in my life are against the vaccine Uh, we live in such a mad
0: world where it's like on what literally in one state you're a murderer if you don't and then in another you're like you're gonna get fucking hung up (laughs) i know drawn and quartered for getting vaccinated it's just what a time you know what you can't keep
1: everyone happy
0: no, you, know, you can't. People are just so it's just gone we've all gone mad, us included. I don't know, up from down anymore. But I thought that was a funny anecdote from that the other side of from it. the other side of the
1: of the fence. It's nuts. <laughs> Speaking of nuts, Annabelle, did you uh find anything juicy in the news mm, this week? No, to be honest, the news is all pretty depressing and Pretty damn heavy right now.
0: Uh, yeah, all I've really been following is is the U.S. and U.K. withdrawal from Afghanistan. To be honest with you, that's all I've kind of had my mind on. And I know, like w- with all these big issues, as f- jack shit, any of us can do. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's just you know, it's- Lucy. It's not that he left. It's
1: the way he left. Always, it always comes down to that, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know that I know enough about it all to speak on it, except to say that I'm just devastated along with the rest of us watching what's going on. I'm just sad.
0: Yeah. um, My conspiracy kind of brain goes off a little bit as well. I mean, it's not even a conspiracy at this point. We all know why we were invaded the Middle East. Right. But, um, I'm just like, this all just feels very weird. I don't, You're telling me after three, how many trillion dollars we've spent on this occupation of the Middle East and the number of years we've been there and the amount of training and the amount of intelligence and the number of people we have working there, you know, in amongst people undercover as well as in, like, embassies and official positions, all of that shit. You're telling me we had no idea that this was going to happen. It just feels like, bullshit to me, I'm just like, I'm sorry, you, I'm sorry, this just doesn't feel right, I I don't understand how we've been there all this time, and we had no idea, no, we had such little grasp on the situation, that we couldn't have predicted this was going to happen, and basically, I just think it makes us look like total mugs, and it's like, what were we doing there if we didn't know that this was going to happen, what were we doing there if it happened, you know, and I don't know, I just... I don't... I'm not in politics. I'm not a politician. It's easier for us to all fucking sit here and say what we think, whatever, whatever. At the end of the day, only people in those rooms know what's going on. Yeah. And only people in the White House and only people in the Pentagon and all those things know what's actually the vibe with all of this stuff. I just... I think also the fact that they were like, we're going to have all the troops out by September the 11th, to me, I think that was really provocative. And I think that's really, really, really... Um, immediately just puts his tension around it in everyone's consciousness to say those numbers and that we were going to be out by then it just all feels a bit sus and like this focus on the women and girls of Afghanistan as well for months since Biden's come in there's been stuff on the news about the women and, and girls of Afghanistan and that seems to be the focus um You want to hear where my wacky brain goes?
1: Yes, please.
0: (laughs) My wacky brain goes, there's a huge sentiment to to withdraw from the Middle East and withdraw from Afghanistan, right? And no more so than amongst Democratic voters and liberals. Um, So here we are withdrawing. Everything's getting taken over. Everything's gone completely tits up. And everyone's main concern is the women and girls and feminism and the rights of women in Afghanistan. If there's one thing that's gonna get liberals and democrats behind another war, it's gonna be an issue like that. So people who didn't want troops in Afghanistan now will turn around or will have to turn around because of the way our culture works now and goes, well, we have to save the women and girls of Afghanistan do you get what I'm saying it's yeah. like nothing will mo- will, nothing will mobilize the democrats quicker to get back into the middle east than a plight like that give them and a I, pause I, I, I that is such a cynical thing for me to say but it's just where my brain goes and I could be completely wrong and so full of shit but I don't know we all know that Kamala is like law and order lady of all time you know like democrats Mm. love law and order so they like to say they don't but they they love it more than anyone um so i just it just feels like fake it just feels like a setup to me just doesn't feel realistic that we didn't know it doesn't feel it just all feels wrong something just feels wrong about it or other than the obvious things that we're seeing that are fucked and wrong
1: (laughs) yeah that's why i'm having trouble speaking about it yet because it just seems wrong but i don't know why
0: yeah, definitely. There's a little feeling, isn't there, of like eh, this just oh, red right. flags. <laughs> 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 and Biden's like demented Joker face on TV. Like I stand by what I say. It's like okay, mate. He right. can't
1: even speak properly. I don't oh, no. understand he's... what's happening.
0: There's a lot of red flags going on. No, he can't speak properly because he's fucking a thousand years old. There needs to be a new rule. If you're over 75, you cannot be the president. That's too old. They can't...
1: I, I agree. If you,
0: fall, if you fall down the stairs at that age,
1: you're fucked. If you can't fall down the stairs and bounce back, you shouldn't be the fucking president of the free world. I absolutely agree. Will said the exact thing the other night when we were watching his speech. We were it's just too old. so confused. Like, you,
0: you can't even... You probably need to take laxatives every day... So you can shit because you're that old. Like, you shouldn't be the fucking president. I'm sorry, but if you can't get a boner, then you, then you cannot be the leader of the free world. The leader of the free world needs to be able to fuck. That's my final fucking thought on it. Needs to have a rock hard cock. Yeah, it needs to be virile. And if he's not out to the pasture with him.
1: <laughs> and I voted for the guy. Yeah. God, Lucy, you just can't win. You just can't win. It's either one (laughs) bastard or the other. Look at what we have to choose from. Jesus Christ.
0: That's the news. Cheery news. (laughs) Cheery news on a Saturday. So, okay, Lucy, that was mine, that news from the desk of Annabelle Jones's desk. Okay, great, desk thanks. thanks. Tell thanks me a about lot. You. That <laughs>
1: was really <laughs> worthwhile. I'm sorry. Jesus. I'm sorry. All people sorry. want I'm is their juicy celebrity gossip, and you're giving them shit to think about, Annabelle. God. Ooh, sorry, people. <laughs> well, I found a little <laughs> lovely snippet from the news, and it... it leads into our conversation today. Tell us
0: everything, babe. Tell us everything. Let me tell you. So a thrift
1: store in North Carolina, uh, they uncovered a marriage certificate that's 146 years old. And it was hidden. It was hidden inside a picture frame. The hidden paper was an 1865 New Jersey marriage certificate a man named William and a woman named Katie. So they took it upon themselves to search for any living relatives of these people. And they used ancestry.com and they found uh, a woman who they suspected might be their great, great granddaughter. So Uh the woman said, I hadn't used ancestry in quite a few months I actually went on to research a family member who had already passed away, and I happened to notice that I had all these messages in my inbox. And so she connected with these thrift store owners. She had no idea how the certificate got there, but she was able to confirm that these were her great-great-grandparents. And she's going to have it displayed and possibly in a museum. Aww. And she says... My mother passed away five years ago. She was the last relative I had. So I feel isolated at times. So it just felt very comforting that these people are reaching out from the other side and that I'm connected to them through spirit and that they're saying hello. Yeah, it's a lovely little full circle story there.
0: I love that. I do too. Have you ever done like 23 and me or any of that stuff? Sort
1: of? No, I haven't. Have you?
0: My I mean my sister's got them, right? And the kits to do it. But they got it when my dad's estate was still open and I was like if you fucking do those kits and we find out we've got another sibling.
1: Yeah. Trouble. I'm going to murder both of you. Well, I'm in the same spot. I don't want to find out about the 10 other siblings I have that are strewn across the world, so I'd rather just, no, I don't need to know about all that. Got a couple Japanese sisters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Got a couple Swedish brothers over there, probably some uh, <clears throat> southern, Ooh. southern yeah, siblings. For sure.
0: Yeah, no, I we're going to do it now, because the estate's closed, so good luck to anyone trying to, <laughs> don't, I, I've, got, I've got enough brothers and
1: sisters in this life, I don't need any more, thank you Well, very much. there's nothing to come after now, even if they do want to come Yeah, forward. good luck,
0: you, you want to come share my fucking cast iron fucking lemon squeeze, <laughs> or I've got, what oh, you want, one of these wretched old horses? All you have are your dad's old cowboy boots and a pair of his jeans. And I know. That's all I need. And his horses. That's all I need. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I really want to do it because here's the thing. Some people in my family have already done it. I should just talk to them. Um, here's the ironic thing is that I, s- I would rather avoid talking to my family and com- start completely from scratch to find out about my family than I would... <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, what is? where is my brain at? I'm like, I really want to, I just like really want to find out about my family at the same time, completely ignoring
1: the living family I have.
0: Yeah. Like, just like, forget them.
1: The dead ones. Exactly. I have like shit relationships with all my family members, but I document and, you know, document and just obsessed with creating a historical you know trace of my dead family members. Maybe they were better and also they can't hurt us anymore. They're dead. So. Yeah, they can't do anything <laughs> to us. They can't tell us, you know, that they don't love us. They can't ignore us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that was a great story and it does lead perfectly into what we were going to chat about today. Yeah. Which is as we had said last week We had recorded a few months ago, just before the crash, the last episode that we did was Lucy and I telling spooky stories from our haunted childhood houses. That's right. And I deleted the episode, so we're gonna do it again.
1: Yeah, today we are raising the lost city of Atlantis that was that episode, and we're bringing it back to the surface. I don't, now I've gotta,
0: I need to like try and remember all this shit now. Why don't you tell us yours and it, maybe it will trigger memories for mine?
1: So I have two stories in particular that are different. One is about an apartment I lived in where a phenomenon was happening. And yes. the other is a spirit coming to me and finding me in a very strange way. So I'll tell I'll tell that one first. So For those of you who don't know, and I don't talk about this openly, but I will today, I had a stalker It was a very serious situation in my life pretty recently, and I was staying with a girlfriend during that time um, while the guy was getting out of jail and things weren't uh, safe yet. So I was staying with her, and she was out. One night, and I was alone in the house, and it's a beautiful old house from, like, 1930s Hollywood. And I was in the kitchen making myself a cup of tea, and in the living room I saw a flash of light, like some electronic had turned on. And the television, huge screen television, blares to life, and it's at the top volume. And it's a news anchor and she says a very specific line. She says, a woman was killed instantly when she was struck by a car in Valley village. And then the light went off and the TV died. And I was just stood frozen in place. It only lasted about five seconds. And I walked to the living room and I look in and I started yelling because when I get ang- when I get scared of spirit I'll, I'll get really angry. And I went, don't you yeah. fucking do that to me. No way. The second I'm alone in this house, no, you are not going to scare me. <laughs> and I'm like reprimanding whatever the hell that was. And my friend gets home a couple minutes later and I told her what had happened. And she doesn't like that kind of stuff. She's not open to it. Doesn't want to hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. She has security cameras all over her house and she goes on her phone and she's looking back at the security footage. She has a camera in the living room that looks down. You can see the television and you can also see the kitchen door where I had walked in after it shut off again. And you see me walk in to the room and you hear me yelling. <laughs> it's full, you know, full color picture, full sound. You hear me yelling. But the television never went on. And she looks at me and she says, Lucy, I don't have cable, so I don't get the news. And I said, OK, I don't know what's happening, but I what the fuck is going on? So I Google it. Oh, that's so spooky. I Google that line that I had heard the newscaster say. And sure enough, it comes up that this police officer named Amber Leist a woman who's 40 years old was killed by a car the week before i'm not scared i'm i'm just confused when she was killed she was off duty she was out of her car helping an elderly person cross the street who had fallen and as she was running back to her car she was hit by a car and died and she had <sighs> two two teenage sons one was 20 and one was 17 and I read down and I go, holy shit. That morning, I'd been taking care of a friend's cat in Hollywood. So I was driving from where I stayed on a route that I never take to take care of my friend's cat for this the whole week. That morning, I had been in the traffic of Amber Leist's funeral without Bye. realizing it for like 30 minutes. I had been in line basically with everyone who was trying to get to this church because there was only one road to take to get to where I was going. So I'm just utterly confused. I don't know why this has happened. I don't know what it means. I said to to my friend, I'm going to go to my room and I feel like this woman needs me to pray for her or something. So I go to my room, I light a candle and I start to focus on Amber Lyst and the second I tune into that energy, it just, woof, just rushes in and just hits me and I get so emotional and I'm crying and I'm talking to her and I'm telling her, you are dead, you need to go to the light. You do not belong here, I'm here to help you. I felt so sad. She wasn't upset, she was just confused. She was, didn't know what had happened. She was, she was, she needed help. She needed a good talking to is what she needed. And I just didn't really know what was coming out of my mouth. But I said to her, if you go to the light, if you understand what has happened to you and you accept it, I promise that I will do the same. And that's when it hit me that I really was saying these words to myself and that she had come to me so that I would say the very thing to myself, because during that time through the stalker, I was very angry. I was very stubborn. I didn't want this to have happened. I was forced to move. I was forced to fear for my life. It was a near death experience. I was very confused and scared. I felt exactly how she felt in, in dying. Mm. And I realized, holy shit, she came to me so that I would promise myself that I would do exactly what I'm asking her to promise me. Yeah. And I became obsessed with this woman. And I started looking up her friends and her family on social media. I found out that they were having a memorial for her a few days later at the West Hollywood police station. And I Mm -hmm. went I went, I felt like a freak. I didn't know what I was going for or who I was supposed to talk to or if it was even appropriate. Yeah. And I show up at the police station and there were t-shirts that they were selling with her face on them. And I said, oh, I want a t-shirt. I said, what size do you think I am? And this man took my hands and smiled and he says, you're a size small with a huge heart. And he went and got me a t-shirt and I stood with a, a police officer and he said, do you know, Am- how do you know Amber? And I said, well, I don't know Amber, but I, and he said, you saw about it on the news. And I said, yeah, I saw it on the news. And he said, well, that man who just took your hands was her father. And I said, really? So on the way there, I had said to spirit, if I'm supposed to talk to somebody there, just guide me to them. If I'm not supposed to talk to someone and I just I'm because I wanted to give some money to her family mm-hmm. and I'm just supposed to give money, that's fine. I don't need to speak to anyone and I'll just leave. So her dad came back to me with the t-shirt and I I took a chance and I said, "Could I speak to you over here alone for a minute?" And I took him aside and I told him very gently what had happened. And he loved it he was crying i was crying he was thanking me he said would you walk me to my car i was just about to leave my wife is waiting for me but i would like to give you a blessing in hebrew if i could they were a mexican family but they were jewish and mm-hmm. and i said yes and he's walking And he stops and he's holding both my hands and he's got his eyes closed and he's giving me this beautiful Jewish blessing. And her sons who were in the newspaper article were now standing with us. His wife's waiting for him in the car. I'm standing with her family being blessed Mm -hmm. by her father. And he says Mm -hmm. to me, my family and I are going to be rooting for your career. He said, I want you to remember this. When you feel lost, when you feel like you don't know what to do in your life. I want you to remember what, what's the word he used? The character that you have. He said, the character you have in coming here in giving me this money in telling me what you've told me is immense and my family and I will never forget it. And I want you to remember that in your darkest mm-hmm. times. And it was amazing. And yeah. I left and I was wiped out i was so exhausted and i thought oh my god this is why i shut myself off to my psychic abilities because it is so draining
0: well i mean the psychic psychic stuff aside all of that emotion is so intense the adrenaline of going to that thing you know all of that stuff is super intense that alone you know remove the other
1: side of it is fucking exhausting as it is yeah And recently I was telling the story to my best friend, Katie, and she called me back a couple hours later. She said, my brother needs to talk to you. Her brother, (laughs) who I haven't spoken to in years, got on the phone and he was very, very emotional. He said, Lucy, that woman, Amber Leist, that police officer, I know her. One of my best friends had a stalker. And when Amber Leist was killed, she was the officer on this stalker case for my girlfriend. Whoa. So Amber had been in the middle of a stalker case with another girl when she was killed. And she came to me in the middle of my stalker case to help me arrive at this clarity and this acceptance that I needed to get through the situation. And the whole thing just came full circle. It's so strange it's such a roundabout thing. Yeah, that but is
0: really weird. I've
1: always kept her with me as one of my guardian angels. I have her picture in my home. I wear her t-shirt yeah. all the time to bed. Amber Leist is one of my guardian angels. And I'm so grateful that she came in my time of need. And I hope that I was able to help her in her time of yeah. need. I think I was because I felt a big shift in her energy. But I speak to her all the time. I just tell her, you know keep moving, keep accepting, I am too, I will do it if you do it. Mm. It was really like a pact a pact that we made in a time when we both needed it. Did you ever speak to the girl who, who had the stalker? I asked for her number and I haven't called her yet, but I want to. Oh my gosh, you have to. I know.
0: You have to. I really want you to. That would be really incredible if she could talk to you about amber and like give you more info on you know yeah. how she was and how she helped her and
1: all of that stuff I could know. be and, and it, you could be helping that girl as well i do need to call her i will do that this week and i'll let i'll let everybody know how it goes fascinating yeah. isn't it what a what an yeah. amazing experience it was it's so wild so wild so that's that that I wanted to share because that is a ghost story but a very unconventional one that that's not yeah. that that is different from the one that you're about to tell and that's why I wanted to pair it with yours because spirit can come into our lives in many different ways it it's not just a literal haunting which is what you experienced but It's all around us, and it it comes through in many different ways. So let's get into your childhood. (laughs) Love how into it you are. Do Um, tell.
0: Okay, so my dad had this house in Pennsylvania called Spruce Lawn, and he bought that in the 80s. He was with my mum at the time, so... I think I would have been just born or she would have been pregnant with me. Mm -hmm. He buys this house. Some guy calls him and is like, hey, Davey, like, you need to come down here and see this house in Beaver Town, Pennsylvania.
1: Bum fuck nowhere. Beaver Town, Pennsylvania. Yeah,
0: like Amish
1: Town. Shout out to Beaver Town. We probably have listeners there.
0: Oh, God. I actually loved
1: going to Beaver Town.
0: So my dad buys this house, and I think it was from honestly like the seventeen hundreds or some shit. It's old as a book, maybe the eighteen hundreds.
1: Oh, um, sounds like a dream. It, it's beautiful, loads of land.
0: You know, deer out on the lawn in the morning, huge spruce trees everywhere, gorgeous. So we're there, and it's not too long before. My dad, who was very into ghosts and spirits and felt things a lot, began to start to feel things happening.
1: <laughs> and is he talking about uh, it, or is he keeping? Yeah, it to he's himself? like very.
0: He was like very open about it. He always talked about ghosty things. as just very open. Um, my mom as well is the same way, and. We start discovering, like, weird things in the house, like, for instance, upstairs in the eaves of the house, you go through a door, and then there's, like, another
1: door and another door,
0: you know, little, like, mini Russian doll-type doors, Yeah. and in the far eaves of, w- of like, one of the ends of the house, there's a window and just, like, a rocking chair a couple of kids toys just like fucking spooky shit that would be in a horror film like why is it in the place that's the door within the door you know it's all of that kind of thing um for me my weird experiences were always I felt mega spooked by that uh, attic area where there was all of those little secret doors that led to weird things My bedroom door was connected to a bathroom and on the other side of the bathroom was my dad's door. And Mm -hmm. my dad would put me to bed and he would shut the door and then the door would be opened again. Would you see that happen? You hear it happen, it's dark. Then shut the door and then the door would be opened again. And then I would get up and I would shut the door and then the door would be open again. Ah. And this, and it only happened in the children's room. So what was the nursery of the house, which was where my room was. And it was this very kind of bossy feeling, matern- like matronly kind of like, no, the doors are to be opened. The doors are to be like this and the curtains are to be like that. And you know, curtains would come down, they'd be open, they'd be closed. It was all of that kind of fussing. It felt like a very fussy energy. And then there's a kind of servant stairwell that was at the back of the house. And the vibes in there were so intense and so bad. And it was a child. It was a child's energy. And people would trip down those stairs all the time they would the doors would lock um, lights would go on and off when they were going up and down the stairs so it was like a very mischievous child's energy but it had a badness to it so everyone was always terrified of those stairs so that was mega spooky and,
1: and that then, felt different than the energy that was cl- opening the bathroom different. door all the time Com- completely different Wow.
0: so the house was swarming with with energy Yeah. Because my dad would leave it for like six months at a time. And you know what they say about spirits? They'll overrun the place. If they're if it's like a fertile ground for them to be, they will come and take over and they will overrun the place. And when you come back, they start to dissipate. They don't like change. So if you come there and you haven't been there for a while, it they're not, they don't make things easy and comfortable right. for you. Yeah. You start gonna messing you know. with the doors
1: and moving things yeah. around. And- they're
0: going to let you know that they're... They're going to wake you up. They're going to, you know, all of those things. So there was those two They're going to push you down the stairs. (laughs) Exactly, all that shit. And I hated using those stairs, and I never used them for that reason, because even as a child, I was really aware that it was just, like, weird vibes. Very male, very, you know, just, ugh. And then in the basement, which was scary as shit, we had this girl come to be a... Um, to be a yard hand with the horses he came she came and she moved in she was a young girl maybe 20 and she lived in the attic with her cat and she it turned out after a while that she was a witch right She tells my dad she's a witch and he's like okay Jesus um so he's got this girl living in his house and she goes down into the basement I'm there I'm about 12. She goes down into the basement to do her laundry the laundry machines are in there. And she screams bloody murder and comes running out of the basement. She went down there and the place lit up like a blinding light. Banging, like things were like like shaking, banging, light was blinding, loud noises. She came running out terrified. My dad had a similar experience down there, a not so cute experience. I don't think it was as intense as hers. Mm-hmm. but he had the mega spooks down there and so there was the basement ghost as well that was really displeased. like that wasn't that wasn't like a playful energy or a mischievous energy that was like a get the fuck out
1: of my fucking house energy. Yeah, there really were different, different vibes going on. And so for me, I
0: could handle going into the attic. I could handle the back stairs. I could handle the kids bedroom. You wouldn't catch me dead going down to do laundry in that basement. I never went down there alone and I had to have the door locked. Not that locking the door does changes <laughs> anything, but mentally for yeah. me, it changed something. And it didn't help that my dad had, was like, low-key a hoarder and for some reason he had hoarded hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of um heavy metal lawn furniture so he had all of this lawn furniture in the basement (laughs) that was like piled from floor to ceiling like all of this 50s lawn furniture so it felt fucking chaotic in there as well and it was just like dark and there was like weird taps and lights and it's like anyway 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 so those were the main ghosties and then for spooky shit when my dad went and looked around there were a lot of rugs down on the floor and he bought the house and they sold it with all this shit in it these people just bailed exactly wonder why we pulled the rugs up and in the tiles in the foyer are Um, swastikas oh lovely and then we start putting the pieces together there's this big plinth with an eagle on it with a bible on it in the living room so now we're like feeling a little (laughs) (gasps) Nazi-ish like what is the vibe here and then we started hearing stories that people were being hidden in the eaves of the house that nazis lived there like this whole thing i've never fully 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 looked into it i'm a little bit scared too but i think that there was like a little bit of like a maybe nazi vibe going on a lot of dutch a lot of europeans came over to that area
1: I want to know what it was like when you would lay in bed at night. Would you hear things in different parts of the house? Did you ever hear, like, footsteps above you in that attic room that you described? or? So, yeah, so you would hear
0: noises from the attic a lot and movement. And then in the main house, I never heard... Foot, it's not like footsteps but you just hear shit in the house like yeah. as though someone's moving around and what's actually like one of the funniest things about that whole story right that isn't even to do with the ghost it's to do with that girl that was living there that was a witch. yeah the that witch was the
1: I want to know more about that hand. Too. yeah
0: she was fucking wild she was wild dude she I was very impressionable when I met her. I was maybe 11 going on 12 at the time. And I was already into like crystals and witchy things. And, you know, I I was already that girl. And then, you know, I go off to my dad's house in rural Pennsylvania, fucking spooky spooksville. Mm -hmm. And there's like Amish people riding around dressed like they're from the 1800s, and it's just you just feel like you're in another world. Mm -hmm, Yeah,
1: it is another Um, planet there.
0: You know, in my dad's haunted-ass house with this woman who's got, like, potions and fucking jars of shit all around her room and everything. So she starts teaching me about Wiccan and paganism.
1: Was she nice?
0: She was nice. She was just really weird. You know, my dad would let her take me to ice cream or take me to this, and she said to me, like, you're... I can tell already that you're gifted and you need to be careful. I'm not going to be around very long. Here's the things you need to be wary of. and So she, like, told me about bad witches, dark magic, you know, how to protect yourself, all this stuff. And as a 12-year-old, I was just like, oh, my God, you're frightening me. Yeah. But I'm glad that she did. She was teaching me all these little spells and stuff and... What ended up happening is my dad had a black cat as well and he would look out the window and she'd be doing like spells outside (laughs) on the garden and the black cat would be like in the middle of her spell circle and shit.
1: (sighs) What was her actual job at the house?
0: She was a yard hand so she was taking care of the horses. When my dad was away, Mm -hmm. she would live there and look after the horses. And...
1: she would ever mention anything about the house?
0: She just said it was haunted.
1: Okay.
0: And I think it was too much for her because what happened is my dad woke up one morning and she'd just gone. Oh, oh my God. And she took his cat. Yeah, she took his cat to do magic with. Cause she used it as like a familiar and a familiar for anyone who isn't familiar with the term is an animal (laughs) that you use in magic, not just a pet, it's a friend, a confidant. These are animals that people who practice magic consider to have telepathic skills and um, spiritual connections to the other side Nina Khan, a witch, magic practitioner, says from this Teen Vogue article, Familiars are physically connected and can telepathically communicate with each other in times of need. Nina Khan felt this way about her hamster, oh, Bagel. Bagel. <laughs> no, bagel no speaking familiar. of familiars. No, come on, cat, don't you lay on there. No, look, he's trying to crawl on her right now. Speaking no. of familiars,
1: your new black cat
0: look at him he's crawling on the computer right now he's literally just put he's laying across my leg and he's put his head on the computer I'm taking a picture of this I need to show you guys this is crazy so anyway you're familiar you put your little familiar animal whether it's Bagel the hamster or fucking trash kitty into the middle of the circle where you're doing magic (laughs) and it helps you stay grounded and it keeps bad spirits away blah 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 so this bitch took my dad's cat to be her familiar, disappeared in the middle of the night, never heard from her again, never seen her again, don't know what her vibe is, where she is, what she's doing.
1: Unbelievable. <clears throat>
0: um. So that was probably more than the ghosts. The weirdest experience that I ever had at my dad's house was that. After my dad died, and we went to his house after no one had been there for a few months, it was... The air was thick. It was uh, overrun. It was teeming with energy. It yeah. was very intense. Very, very, very intense. That happens quickly. And it happened real quick. And that whatever that was, was not best pleased that we were there. They'd been having a great time. And... We came in and we started packing things away and being oh, in the house. No, and nope, didn't like it at all. And my sisters, who are into all that stuff, but aren't like they're not like you and I are. You know, they're they're definitely into it. They accept it's real. In our family, it's like so many people have had experiences that it's not like ooh a ghost, real. Ooh. It's just like we've all had those experiences, so it's very much a real part of our lives. Yeah. They were fucking terrified. Like, they wouldn't be, my sisters always had to be together. Things was like, gra- they were feeling things like grabbing their ankles, grabbing their arms, brushing past them. Um, yeah, it it just is such a haunted house.
1: Wow. <laughs> my mom and dad lived in a haunted house that was so haunted. My dad was so scared that he he sold, he put the house on the market without telling my mom.
0: I love this story,
1: can you tell it? (laughs) Yeah, I want to hear about your mom's house in England first And then I have a super haunted apartment that I lived in And we'll talk about that too, so let's talk about England
0: Okay, so my mom's house in England is called Grenville Hall And the first settlement there was during Tudor times So it's like a very old place that had people on it you know it's like there have been people there a long last time yeah a lot of people lived there a lot of people born there a lot of people died there let's just say and my parents bought the house in the 80s it had been previously a working stable yard for racehorses and i think i can't remember if it was the first winner of the grand national was trained there We've had lots of, like, important military personnel come through there. Um, Lord Montgomery, who was, I think, the guy that kind of, like, gave the orders to start the war was there. You know, it's had a lot of people come through, a lot of energy, a lot of vibes coming through there. Um, And my dad and my mom bought it in the 80s. And we have horses, so you know, it's the perfect place for them. It's got 12 stables, it's a working stable yard, it's got fields, it's got everything that they needed for the horses. So we're there and very happy, and I think after a while, they start feeling the vibes in the house are a little kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And there are two... Inside of the house, there were two main things that happened is in the back, downstairs back toilet, there's like a very strong energy, very similar to the one that is in the back stairs in Pennsylvania. Mm. That is like a very disturbed, angry, upset, negative energy. And that was there literally until my 20s when we demoed the whole bathroom and completely reconfigured it. And after that, the energy completely went. Wow. Wow. But it took doing that to shift it despite multiple, you know, painting it and rearranging it and having different people live in it and trying to make it calm in there. Nothing worked. Um, And then the other thing, the spooky thing, is we've had so many kids, my nephew Phoenix included, who have said there is a man in the end of the drawing room oh wow a military man with an old-fashioned military uniform on with you know the shoulder things and the badges and all the- and the medals and all of that and he just stands there and we've had three children separately say that
1: wow our- which I think is Mega spooky. (laughs) Yeah, really scary. And are they very afraid when they're telling it? Or are they just just saying, hey, there's a guy. Yeah,
0: hey, there's a man. Yeah. Yeah. So innocent, so open, so sweet, so unafraid. I think we're the ones that put ideas in kids' heads about that being We really do. Gary and Spooky, it goes in line with all of the stuff that you and I talk about death and how we framed it in this really bizarre way where it's so uh, other than us. It's such, we've done we've done othering to death.
1: Yeah, um, we have. It's nothing like we've made it. You know, every time I've encountered a spirit, I, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners who have encountered spirits know what I'm talking about, it's not scary at the time because it's, it's almost... It's so natural that you just take it for granted in a way. And it's only after the fact that you go, wait a second, what was that? (laughs) And you almost have to like remind yourself that that wasn't normal, what you just experienced. But it is. It's so a part of us.
0: Yeah, I think also like Yvette was saying, it's about being open to it. The more open you are to them, the more open they are to you. Yeah, it's and a two-way a family, street. Yeah, as a family who are just very kind of matter of fact about it, it's not ever been like a, whoa, Off crazy. limits or anything, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the thing above all other things that freaks me out at Grenville, and I don't know why it's this, I don't know why this freaks me out, is you'll be laying in bed, right, a perfectly still night, calm, Nothing. No storm. No wind. No nothing. Right. And you'll hear out in the in the yard, people in the stables working. So you'll hear buckets crashing around, doors slamming open, noise and commotion as if the stable is working still. Oh
1: my gosh!
0: The number of times I've got. Gotcha, I'm getting. I'm getting out of bed. This is ridiculous. Who's that? No one. Oh. No one's outside. Nobody's fuck around in the stables. Nobody's in the workshop. Nobody's anything, anything. Didn't you say you can hear horses too? And you can hear horses. Every single person that's ever lived in Medley Cottage, which is the gate cottage, and you can hear them from our house as well. We've had multiple people rent there and buy that house as well. Without fail, every single person has said that they can hear horses going along the road in the middle of the night.
1: Damn.
0: And that, for some reason, more than anything, I don't know why it spooks me so much, but it fucking does. <laughs> it, gives me, it gives me the willies. So that is my spooky story. And actually, as we've been sitting here telling this, I am reminded of that place I lived in in Larchmont, that commune yeah. thing that I lived in. hmm I feel like L.A. spooky is a whole other thing than England spooky. (laughs) It's like a whole nother world of spookiness. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Will you tell us about the house that your parents bought? Because I love that story. I find it really scary, but also really fascinating that your parents, the choices that they made, I found really interesting not from a negative or critical standpoint of just like, I wonder what they were obviously so drawn and driven, you know?
1: Yeah. It, I don't fully understand how they could have done this, but they did. So when my parents first got married, they were friends with this couple in Los Angeles and they would go to their house all the time for dinner. And the woman was epileptic. She would have seizures and She was good friends with my mom. She had two small kids. One night, the woman in her bed had a a seizure and died in the master bedroom. And that couple moved out of the house, and my parents bought it. Each of them had their own experiences, and they weren't really telling each other about it. My dad's pretty scared of that stuff. So my mom didn't want to freak him out and he was just trying to deny it all. But she, Mm -hmm. my mom talks about one night where my dad was working at the studio late and she was in the bed, the bedroom reading and she heard footsteps all around the house, just going from room to room and no doors had opened or closed or anything. They just kind of started at the front of the house and were wandering through the house. And, and she's calling out my dad's name. No answer. And the bedroom door was a little bit open. And she said that the footsteps stopped right outside the door. Uh, and she just put the covers over her head and just lit, just was frozen until he got home like an hour later. There were other times where she was unpacking in that room. And this happened to him, too. And there was just a feeling of just get out. And they just ran, ran from the room. There was a musician named Dan Fogelberg who was staying with them. And he got really sick. And he was in their master bedroom. And my mom was basically nursing him back to health through this flu Uh or whatever he had. And at one point he was delirious and he started talking about an angel that was trapped in the room Whoa. that was shackled. He later went on to paint a picture of what he had seen and it's one of his album covers. And finally my dad <laughs> put the house on the market and told my mom that he had sold it. Uh, behind her back and she was really (laughs) mad but they moved out of there pretty quickly I think they lived there for maybe two years oh
0: my god that sounds so spooky I just find it so interesting that they were driven like so driven to move in there given the fact that their friend had died in there I would feel like No, thanks.
1: Me too. Yeah. I lived in a super haunted apartment that was actually at Park La Brea here in Los Angeles. Park La Brea was built in the 40s, I believe, for war veterans and their families, like housing for vets. Yeah. Yeah. And so there were a lot of old, very old people there when I lived there. I had a couple neighbors die of old age. And they had been from the war. And I lived in one apartment there that had so much paranormal activity going on. But it never scared me in a sense that I felt like I needed to get out. I just kind of accepted it and was like, yeah, it bothered everyone else. But I never wanted to move because of it. I actually prefer a place if it's a little haunted. Um, But (laughs) yeah, yeah. A few things happened. It's a very long story. Many, many, many things happened, but kind of I can put it into a nutshell with a really strange night. I was in the kitchen. I was on the phone with my mom, and I was making tea. And I felt in my back as if somebody had put their hand on my back, just their flat palm. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, the hair on the top of my head was being pulled. Oh my gosh. And I no. tur- I turned I turned all the way around and I said, "Mom, I have to get off the phone. Something's happening." And I was so confused, and then my brother and sister came over maybe 30 minutes later. And they were going to be sleeping over that night. And we go into the living room and we sit down and we're talking and my I what is it? An iPod. <laughs> it was so long ago. We don't have iPods wow. anymore. But my iPod was on the speakers in the kitchen, and it blares on at top volume all of a sudden, just out of nowhere. Never happened to me before. That's not possible. You'd have to go in and turn it on and press play. Yeah. And the speakers, it was just deafening volume. So I run in there and turn it off, and then the night goes on, and we all go to bed. And my sister wakes up at like four in the morning screaming bloody murder. She had slept on the couch. No. And I run out and I jump on top of her. And I say, what? What's wrong? What's wrong? And she says, somebody just stuck their finger in my ear. <laughs> and I said, what? What do you mean? She said, like, somebody took their finger and stuck it in my ear. And I said, oh, my God. I have no idea. And then I went out of town. And my boyfriend at the time was taking care of my cat. And he said to me, "Uh, I'm never going back there to take care of your cat by myself again. I was on the couch and I heard what I thought was the cat in the back bedroom walking across the ledge. And there were vertical blinds. So he said he heard the the vertical blinds going back and forth. And he assumed it was the cat for a couple of minutes. And then he realized that the cat was sitting on the floor near the couch. So he said, fuck this. I'm never going back there alone. So I said, okay, mom, can you go take care of the cat, please? And I didn't tell her what had happened. (laughs) The same thing happened to her. She was like, I heard the cat in the bedroom on the thing. And then she was with me on the couch. It wasn't the fucking cat. I'm never going back there again. I said, "Well, I didn't want to tell you, but the same thing happened. <laughs> uh, so nobody would go in the apartment. So many more things happened there, but yeah, I, I actually didn't went- you didn't you
0: like? Am I com- mixing this with somebody else's story? Didn't you go? Wasn't there like knocking above when yes. you went?
1: Yes, that boyfriend and I would wake up. We were woken in the. In f- I think it was always around four a.m." by this intense dragging noise above my bed. And it sounded like a a, a refrigerator being moved across a concrete floor, violently, just back and forth. It was terrifying. And he was a big six foot two man, and we were holding each other in fear. Turned on all the lights, oh my God, oh my God. We call security, they go up there, they say, nobody's there, the apartment is not rented. It's dark. There's no one in there. Not only that, but it's carpeted. So that would happen. That, That happened to us like half a dozen times to the point that it was really maddening. It was really confusing. And we would call security and they would just laugh at us after a while because there was nothing going on. And then we would hear footsteps, but it was like There were, like, different pairs. There was, like, a a pair of, like, sneakers scuffing around, and then there was, like, uh, high heels clip-clopping back and forth. It was so strange. I I went to the leasing office, and I asked them if somebody had died in the apartments, but they don't have to tell you unless I think it was in the last seven years or something, if somebody died in the house. And only if you're buying. I don't think they have to tell you if you're renting. No. It was so frustrating, and I finally <clears throat> moved out, but I just couldn't figure it out.
0: Well, it wasn't for you to figure out, I do I, think. I gonna-
1: just felt like I was in the middle of, like, a shitstorm, and, like, I never went further. I never did a seance or did anything to yeah. contact them further, which I, know I now know how to do that better in a situation like that. But yeah. But that was... Pretty scary place. And it was a totally unassuming apartment. You'd never look at it or walk in and think, oh, this place is creepy. It was just all new, whitewashed walls, whatever. But on Most Haunted, Yvette talks about that on certain episodes. There's this one episode that is, to me, the most terrifying. It's called 30 East Drive. It's this place in England. And that's what she talks about with that house. She says, the thing that scares me the most is that this looks like just any average house but it is violently haunted. We always think, yeah. you know, it's big castles and big old-ass yeah, houses. Yeah, yeah. But like you said about no. about Grenville, the land on which our buildings are built is ancient. Mm-hmm. So much has happened and energy lingers and it's still here. Yeah,
0: yeah definitely. Energy lingers and people can invite energy with their with their energy. Yeah, we really fra- do. If
1: they've got like fractured energy. Yeah. Or they're chaotic or anything like that. That's why poltergeists are usually drawn to a teenager because their energy is so chaotic and so tumultuous yeah. and it's like Easy a Yeah, in. it's like a bright light in a dark room.
0: So that really makes me think of I think probably this most the strangest for me I mean I know the things about my dad's house and my mum's house definitely sounds strange the weirdest for me aside from all of the shit my family homes and all of that which I know sounds mega weird the weirdest weirdest for me was when I was living in that commune in Larchmont when I was in my early 20s mid-20s I got signed to Atlantic as you know and I signed up on this Airbnb to go and stay in L.A., and it was this big kind of classic Larchmont house. Larchmont in L.A. has all of these beautiful
1: what – what year are those houses from? I don't know. Oh, I can't tell. Yeah, they're from about 1910, very yeah. early, early 1900s. So, yeah, so I was we in did- that place –
0: And I had rented a room there on an Airbnb. And then when I got there, I realized that it was, like, more of a commune vibe. And it wasn't just the house, but there were all these settlements in the back as well.
1: So you had no idea when you applied, when you found it online?
0: Yeah, when I found it online. Because it was just an Airbnb, but there were people that had been there a long time. And there were people that had, you know, pay less rent in exchange for doing, you know, communal things. Yeah how that stuff works (laughs) yeah so when i was staying there there was a young woman staying there who had come from pennsylvania she was a teacher and she had left pa with her um dog and cat in her car oh my god driven to los angeles and we slowly sort of Watched her unravel, and it happened over the course of about a year. And she always seemed a bit strange and ditzy and kind of odd, um but harmless. Mm-hmm. And she'd be walking around, making sounds like that. And I thought she she always had her headphones in, so I just thought she was singing. And then. Mm. I began to sound like she was speaking, and then I just didn't know what she was doing. I just saw, <laughs> I was just, I was just irritated by it at the time. I didn't really think too much about it. So we slowly start watching this woman unravel, and she starts wearing madder and madder outfits. You know, like I'm talking flapper dresses. I'm talking see-through lingerie. I'm talking stripper heels and a g-string. You know, yeah, just out she starts acting more and more strange and she starts talking about this boyfriend that she's got and we're all like okay we've never seen him he's never been around she's like yeah he picks me up on Fridays and we're all like how the fuck have we missed this how is this possible so what happens is over a course of a couple of months it's revealed that the boyfriend that she has is the brother of a dead celebrity very 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 famous man and the boyfriend they're in a spiritual relationship they communicate spiritually they see each other spiritually they fuck spiritually there's no, like Abby yeah we need to introduce her to Abby like Abby with her alien boyfriend right and what happens is she starts coming for every woman in the house accusing them of of having a relationship with her boyfriend. She physically attacked one person who you know left and she came for everyone basically and so I was
1: this man did not know her right that she's claiming she's having this spiritual relationship with
0: I'll get to that okay. <laughs> So she comes so, for you. So she, no, she hasn't come for me yet. And, oh, okay. and I'm like, okay, she's come for everyone else. I, I, It's time for me to leave. I've been here for going on three years at this point. And like, it's time for me to go anyway. And what made me decide to leave is I was in my room.
1: Your tree house, I was doing, you mean?
0: In my tree house. And she came in. She was like, hey. And I was like, hey. She starts talking to me about her boyfriend, who she's having a spiritual connection with. And I'm just like, holy fuck. I'm just sitting there like doing my eyeliner trying to pretend like everything's normal she's talking to me more and more about it she's brought me in a cupcake and I'm just feeling like it's just giving me that feeling like when you're watching a thriller of like the girl being like hey how are you how's everything going do you have a boyfriend and I'm like damn this bitch is gonna come for me this bitch is gonna come for me so I get ready and I'm going out with Ryan Him, he and I are dating at this point this girl becomes more and more frenetic and more and more chaotic and crazy. And everyone, like your mom and dad in the house, having these separate experiences, but not saying about it. Yeah. Everyone in the house started having these weird experiences where they were, we were all seeing stuff out the corner of our eyes all the time. Mm-hmm. And you'd think it was like a cat or did I just see a bird or did I just see like a rat run across there? And it, you just see this like thing and then you turn around and it's gone. Mm-hmm and I think it was me who said to somebody guys not to make things any weirder than they already are but I feel like I'm being driven crazy by this girl and I feel like I'm starting to like see weird things out the corner of my eye and everyone just went oh. people who you would never think like the three of us you would never think would be those kinds of people to be like I think I'm seeing things you know Yeah. Everybody said they had been having the same experience. The house was overrun with this weird shit. It was like, you know when you throw a rubber ball in a room and it bounces all around everywhere? Like that times a hundred and it was everywhere on the property. It was like really strange. So I'm asleep one night. And this is my most kind of, like, spooky thing that's ever happened to me. I'm asleep one night in my treehouse. And I open my eyes. (laughs) And above me, there is... A black mass swirling. Like... Just like... Like vapour. And it's pitch black. And I... (laughs) Like even now thinking about it, oh my god, you're choking! Like it's it's probably the scariest thing that's ever happened to me because I thought I was dreaming, so I rolled my eyes and I'm like, okay, animal, you're just having a dream. No, open them. It's still there.
1: How far from you was it?
0: Right above me, right above my face, a foot from my face, and it felt like it was inspecting me. Ew. It wasn't. It didn't feel mean. It didn't feel angry it didn't feel frightening it felt I was frightened because I was shocked but it didn't feel intimidating it was very inquisitive Mm -hmm. and I ran um sorry I scrambled to turn on the light because I thought in my mind I was trying to like uh logic the situation so I scrambled to turn on the light and there was nothing there And that is probably one of the weirdest things that's ever happened to me in my life. And I went and I told the owner of the house the next day, and I was like, Look, I don't want to sound crazy. Nothing like this has ever happened to me before. She's like, To be honest, we've all been having weird experiences. I I think it's this girl. I think she's.
1: Stupid. I think her energy is
0: just off. So the owner of the house ended up speaking to her friend, who's this like spiritual medium person. And didn't mention anything to her. And the f- and they were on FaceTime and the friend said to her, hey, I don't want to freak you out, but there's like really weird shit going on around you. And you guys need to cleanse that place because something's cracked something open. Like something's been cracked open and you, you are just flooded. And she was like, I cannot believe that you're saying this. And she told her everything that had been happening. So this woman told us what we had to do and it was like this whole ritual and it was so crazy i had to like light this salt on fire and do this whole thing and like make a load of noise in the space and i left shortly after that because i'm like this is fucking mental <laughs> like i am i'm living with a bitch who's attacking people for having an affair with her imaginary boyfriend and i've got shit waking me up in the middle of the night and i've just set a pan of salt on fire and had to bang loudly <sighs> To get ghosts out of my yes. out of the tree house I'm living in, so it's time to move on. Um, but in in answer to your question earlier, what actually became revealed was she had moved specifically into that Airbnb because it was a matter of feet outside of the realm of a restraining order that had uh, been put upon her by this celebrity's brother.
1: Yeah,
0: and she was completely obsessed with him. Yeah. And it had all happened because something terrible had happened with her husband in Pennsylvania. He had had an affair, got this other girl pregnant, and it just gave her a mental break, basically. So she came, became obsessed with this guy. And I personally think that he and her did have a little ding-a-ling, mm-hmm. but in her, that it progressed in an unhealthy way for her. They met through a writing competition that he was hosting, and... I think that something did happen, but I just I think that for her it was something completely different. And we tried to find her family. We couldn't find any sign of her family. We couldn't find. We didn't know if the name she'd given us was real. Anything. So. What about asking her to leave? It's really hard to get people to leave in California. She she was asked to leave, but Scott it has is had hard to get people. Yeah, in I know. So she wouldn't leave, and. We all started getting scared when, we, when the woman who owned the house looked on the information that she gave her on the Airbnb when she came to stay, and her emergency contact was the man.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Who has a restraining order on her. So then we all started thinking, like, fucking, how is this bitch going to kill herself and that's going to be the emergency contact? We called the number and it was him. It was his voicemail. It, w- it was a real number. So they had, you know, it's real. And we reached out to him and said, like, do you know this woman? And he never got back to us. We eventually found her family and they said they were going to come get her. They never came. And then we got a letter from the dad saying, good luck. This is your problem now. Um, I-, I was a lawyer and I know how hard it is to remove people from your property and she's in your care now. So a lawyer, like um, uh, this is like a well-to-do, like conventional family. And this yeah. is how they responded. Well, unfortunately, she became homeless. She left. She, one day, she left. She just packed up everything, left. Mm -hmm. And somebody found her living under a bridge. And she wouldn't talk to anyone. She wouldn't let anyone help her. And then she came out as an alien. I'm not even kidding. Ah. So that was a crazy situation that was, like, spooky, energetically fucking weird, she's clearly schizophrenic and I think that when you are schizophrenic or you do have bipolar or those things that go untreated I think it is in many ways makes you more open to things it does you know it there hei- are cultures yeah, in which heightens. there are cultures in which that they believe like bipolarity and stuff as a gift that you've been given in order to be more open to you know spiritual things yeah having known many bipolar people and having them in my family I would say that I fucking hate that take and (laughs) Uh and bipolar people need to just take their medicine and live a happy healthy life if they can um because it just it doesn't seem like a happy life um if you are letting it run rampant through you that story ended sadly with that girl but you know, the latest I heard was that she was taken in by that Buddhist um, group in Hollywood. Oh, okay. The, you know, that that um, like Ashram place right in LA. They took her in and they said, you can live here
1: and you're gifted and we'll take care of you. Wow. <laughs> so well, we, we pretty much covered all types of hauntings <laughs> uh, just now. We've <laughs> given a wide spectrum of ways that hauntings can occur really interesting um, do you
0: like are you somebody that likes ghostbusters
1: uh no <laughs> the you movie know I mean? no yeah you know, i find i find this topic kind of i feel like i'm tiptoeing around it um because i'm trying to be sensitive to you Having lost Ryan, uh, like I feel like there's so much I want to say and get into about hauntings and what I've experienced, but I'm feeling like I want to protect, like I don't want you to be upset by anything. So I'm like. But why would I be upset? What's, I don't what know. Just because like, so it's got to do with me. <laughs> well, because Ryan's a spirit now. And I don't know how you feel about that or if that's, like, a question I could ask you. Like, how do you feel about being so connected to a spirit now and hauntings? Like, where does that fall for you? I I don't even know if you'd be open to that question or, like, if it's worth it, but that I'm just saying this is, like, off the air, but that's, like...
0: I don't think this should be off the air at all. I think it's, like, interesting that you just said that and that you feel like you can't talk about it.
1: I'm just very curious, like, where... What do you think? Where does Ryan fall in this for you in the in the on the topic of paranormal activity, and now having a loved one on the other side like this? Where does that? Well, I mean, I've, fall I've had my you? dad.
0: I've had my dad in that place, you know, now for nine nearly nine years. So yeah. it's not it's not a new sensation for me, and if anything, it, it makes me feel much less sort of like frightened about the whole phenomenon and yeah. it makes me more curious and it makes me feel like you know if anything more open to all of it because if there is a is a chance to send and receive messages and have a connection while we're both in these different places then I want to take that opportunity yeah i feel very connected to Ryan still and you know as I've expressed like for instance in Carmel when that thing happened where we were at dinner and that song came on like I very much consider that to be like I wasn't joking when I said I felt like I was haunted in Carmel. That
1: was a visitation absolutely. Yeah
0: you know and I have those things and it's like you can call it a visitation you can call it haunting you can call it whatever you want. You know there have been many times where Ryan has done things like that that have very much felt to me like a visitation. I've never shared this before, but after he was cremated, I kept half of his ashes and half of his ashes were meant to go to Chicago. Well, he got lost in the mail. <laughs> and he ended up on this like wild goose chase where he like went to another family and then our family got... Another person's ashes, which is obviously like really upsetting for everyone. For me, that was one of the best days I'd had in the grief in a long time, because I very much felt like it was Ryan reaching out, you know, and I walked past my sister's iPad screen and I saw a title of, e- of an email that said wrong ashes. And I said, Sarah, what's on that email? Have we got the wrong ashes? And she just panicked and I just burst out laughing. She's like, it's not funny. It's not funny. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. I said, I'm sorry. I think it's so funny. (laughs) I think it's just like, you couldn't write this. You couldn't write this if you tried. (laughs) Like Ryan was like, yeah, oh, you think you're gonna, you think that you're just gonna ship me around and send me off and no, 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 no. So he went on a whole little trip. That's hilarious. And ended up back in, you know, he ended up back in LA. And then he got sent out and the, the ashes made it. But like, <laughs> those things to me feel like visitations, like yeah. hauntings, whatever you want to call them. And they feel great. It feels, that thing with the ashes brought, made me feel so close to Ryan because if you knew him you knew that's exact like that is exactly his sense of humor
1: yeah
0: it is exactly his sense of humor
1: he's and, wickedly funny
0: and just such a dark sense of humor and it made me laugh and it made me feel like he was holding me and like he was like don't worry don't let the bosses get you down like everything's gonna be okay it very much felt like, like don't forget who I am don't yeah. forget who you are and don't forget who we were together yeah and i've had multiple experiences like that and i i love having them i'm i'm honestly just like haunt me like whatever like yeah whatever you got
1: i'm interested in it i know what you mean somebody passes and then if i get afraid you know i think there's something there's a visitation happening i just remind myself this is them and it's love and then it's just it's yeah. all love and that's what That's what paranormal activity and, and communicating with the other side is.
0: I mean, we felt, myself and a couple of the other people, one of the main ways that we felt the boys communicating is through music, obviously. And one of the guys kind of plays a game with them where he uses the radio and he turns the radio off and he'll say, Ask him a question or ask for guidance, turns the radio on.
1: Yeah. The they, answer
0: is always fucking there. They the love those is kinds of there. games.
1: They love they can use electronics really easily, so that's a great way.
0: And the there was another experience I had with Ryan where that day when I went out to into Beverly Hills and whatever and we went to me and my friends went to Barney's Beanery afterwards and we were sitting there and we were talking about Ryan and crying and laughing and just reminiscing over stories. And every single song that came on the radio was a Ryan Brady song, every single song. And we couldn't believe it. We couldn't believe it. And these aren't just like, it's not like it's, fucking rihanna diamonds do you know what i mean it's like some of these are very like niche 60s and 70s songs songs that you won't hear on the radio very often that kind of thing so music has definitely been a big communicator you know as with what happened in carmel yeah um if you don't know what i'm talking about if you don't know what i'm talking about there's an episode that we did called haunted in carmel um which explains one of my first visitations from ryan
1: but that's how I feel about it. I'm He very had music very, oozing out of him. He was the walking, yeah. breathing, living manifestation of music. So, of course, he would yeah. use that as one of his main tools yep. to communicate.
0: Yep, exactly. That's how I feel about it. I feel good about it. I feel I always get emotional when I say this, but like I not to wish my life away, but I can't wait to see him again. I know he's going to be there. I know he's going to be there and when my time comes and I know until then he's doing his thing and we all of us all over the place frequently get messages from him you know he's he he's still he's still fucking with all of us so I feel good about it you don't (laughs) need to tiptoe you don't you don't need to tiptoe around it yeah
1: Well, I hope everybody this week looks out for the messages that come through to them. We'd love to hear about it. And try little games. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, try little games like what you said, Annabelle. Try games. Ask them for something specific and you will see. You have to be
0: willing to ask, you know, and put the energy in like you would with somebody that's alive. Yeah, You know, it's like Yvette said, it's what you get here in the living side of things is if you're a dickhead here, you're a dickhead there. Exactly. You, know, you have to be open and you have to be a good friend here and you have to be a good friend there. You can't just call on them when you want something and then f- you <gasps> know, fuck them off for the rest of the time. It's, right. it's the same concept. Yeah. I'd be down to go to a haunted house with you. I'm a little bit scared of it, but I would be down to do that or just something like that it might be quite fun. We There's a place that's anytime. apparently really haunted here. There's a little old, like, western town that's been taken over by hipsters near here, Los Alamos. And there's a
1: super, super haunted hotel there. Why don't we go? Can we rent rooms there? Yeah. That's okay. Not so scary. I know. I'll do it. Well, <laughs> Will and I, I mean, we're not, you know, we kind of talked about it on the episode with Yvette, that their, their house in England, please, I can't even go there. That's a whole episode in itself. And And the the things I've witnessed there with tables lifting off the ground and messages that have come through. And Will and I have been instructed to continue practicing communicating. And so we would actually, I mean, you and I can go by ourselves and see what we can come up with. Um, Will and a couple of our other friends would maybe add to the energy and, and be helpful, but we could always go by ourselves. I think we should do that and report back to our listeners and make it a thing. Uh, it's us so scary.
0: I'll do it. I would do it. I would do Let's it. I think go. I would. I like to say I would, but I don't know. Uh, I haven't done anything like that since that shit that happened at school for me, which is a whole other haunting yeah. story. But
1: Well, while you do this work, you do have to be careful, like we've said before, and you have to put your boundaries in and protect yourself because assholes are in the living world just as they are in the spirit world. <laughs> <laughs> you have to know how to protect yourself, but I think we should try it. We can always run to the car and sleep in the car or drive home in the middle of the night. You know, we'd sleep with all the lights on.
0: Yeah, I'd definitely be sleeping with all the lights on for sure. We'll never stop talking about this. I don't think. No. All of never. <laughs> all right. Love you. Love you. Dig
1: it. Dig it. Dig it. Dig it. Check it out. Uh. Uh. Spirit, some people hear it. Some people fear it. Spirit, some people just won't go near it. Shores on me and you should know you're you. The spirit is the key to unlock the you uh. use. Spirit, some people hear it. Some people fear it. Spirit, some people just won't go near it. Shores on me and the skies are blue.